Have you ever felt like when things are hard, God must be punishing me? I mean, when you've experienced something super painful, something you don't understand, a trial that just won't let up, maybe like an illness or something with your child or a broken marriage or some financial strain. Have you ever wondered in your most vulnerable moments, is God punishing me? If you do, or if you ever have, there is some very good news found in Jesus. And I know just the person who's gonna help us out. Let's get down to it. Here's the deal. On any given day, we think 50,000 to 80,000 thoughts. But get this, of those, let's say 50,000, 98% of them are the same ones from yesterday, which means we just keep thinking the same stuff over and over and over again, which is great if it's all true, all encouraging, lovely, praiseworthy, but with the father of the lies on the loose, out to steal your hope, kill your peace, and destroy your faith, my guess is they're not. I know you because I know me. Hi, I'm Heidi Lee Anderson, Christian author, cancer survivor, and social media content creator. And in every episode of the Trade a Lie for a Truth podcast, we're camping out on one thought and picking up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to follow the voice of truth above all else. His name is Jesus. Because in his words, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You ready? Let's seize the free abundant life in Christ one thought at a time, starting with this episode. Let's get into it. Amy Seifert, I have been waiting for this interview since I launched the podcast. I'm so excited you're joining us. Y'all, if you haven't met her, I mean, where have you been? She <laughs> is an author. She is a seminarian, which is a new thing, an amazing, incredible thing. As someone who never wants to go back to any type of school, I'm very impressed. <laughs> and she's also a wife and a mom and a three. That's probably why I'm also most impressed. It's like seminary is crazy and impressive on its own. But then when you have kids at home. Like, how do you do it? How am I doing? That's the million dollar question. No, listen, <laughs> I have a high schooler who now drives and a middle schooler and an elementary. And so with a third driver in the house, that is how we're doing it. Everyone is chipping in. And my husband was like, listen, mom's going to go to, she's going to do this. That yes. means we all need to take stuff off her plate to make this happen. So sounds like you got a good man at home. He's amazing. Family okay. affair. <laughs> well, way to go, Amy. Okay. Now to kick off every episode, it is always fun to play the game, two truths and a lie. And I am not the best at this, but I have been guessing right. Although you might, you might stump me. So I want you to say three statements about yourself. Everyone who's listening, we are going to try to guess which one is the lie. Are you okay. ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Give it to me. Okay. Number one, I can juggle. Oh. Number two, I love making dinner. Number three, I have run a marathon. Okay, okay, okay. I do know you are a runner. So that one I'm going to guess is a truth. Okay, but dinner, I'm jealous of that if that is true, because I despise that. Ty came down and asked, <laughs> what's for dinner? And I, I said, that is literally the worst question you could ever ask. <laughs> you have put me under the pile. I can't do it. Okay, I'm going to guess, is it juggling? Like is juggling the lie. That's what is you want to know. Is juggling the lie? No, I can juggle. The lie is dinner. I can't. Okay, so you are like me. You I'm are like, like you. Me. Yes. I should have. I should have guessed because you're so fun. So of course you can juggle. <laughs> Did you do that at your kids' birthday parties for some entertainment? You know what? Sometimes when I grab fruit and start juggling in the kitchen, they like roll their eyes hard. I roll. <laughs> Mom, who cares about your dumb juggling? <laughs> it's one of those things. The things we do where we're like, someday you're gonna 
realize that I'm actually fine. They don't care right now. They don't care. (laughs) I get that. I get that. All right. Well, today we are tackling the lie that when things are hard, God must be punishing me. And I was so excited when you chose this topic, Amy, because I actually remember like specific times when I've heard this lie, like not only my own, but I've heard it spoken from other people. Like I remember when a friend who before she became a Christian, she had slept around. And then now when she was a Christian and she was trying to find a good Christian man, I mean, she wondered all out to me, is God punishing me like for my past. And that's why I haven't met someone yet. And then I also remember when I was working at a church and there was a woman who was pregnant with twins and she had recently lost one of her babies. And I remember, I mean, she tried to make it a lighthearted joke, but she's like, I think God is like punishing me. Mm. And and immediately, like it didn't settle, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you know this. And I instinctively was like, no, like, no, 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 no. Right. And I also personally, I texted you about this when we were talking about this topic, but my girls have just gone head to head. And it has been one of those things where at the end of the day, it's like, how, how are we ever going to have harmony in our house again? And I, I remember one night when it was just grating on my nerves, I literally asked Ty, like, is God punishing me for being mean to my sister when I was growing up? Like, is right. now he, is he giving me a taste of my own medicine? Ty was like, that, that doesn't sound right. Like he, God just doesn't work like that. And so we're going to find that out today. Like he doesn't. Amy, can you help us like set the stage for this? Maybe tell us about a time in your life when you first started hearing word of this lie yourself? Yes. I mean, what you're describing, it feels like karma, right? Like that, you know, what comes around goes around. Like I did this, so it's going to come back and get me. Um, And your examples, I mean, for, for me, my, one of my dear friends lost her husband to cancer. And this was about 16, 17 years ago. And she had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I remember thinking, like, is there punishment involved? You know, like, is, did yeah. something happen here? And I remember her sharing about a year later, a year of being a single mom and raising her boys. And she said she used to ask the question, why? You know, like, yeah. what is the root of this suffering? And she said that she realized the, the, the real question to ask is who, who is God in the middle of this? And to really know his character is really important when we run yeah. into suffering, because we might think, you know, we will believe some lies. And, and then add this, I don't know if any listener struggles with this, but how often I want to equate what I do, my work and how I live to the outcomes of life as if it all hinges yeah. on me, right? So that A plus B would equal C right? Like this law of linearity, Larry Crabb calls it, that we want to be true, but that's just not, we live in a broken world. That's not how this works. So I think so often we want to blame, we want to say it's based on our performance, that this suffering is happening to me, but there's Hmm. a bigger, wider lens that we can explore when it comes to God and his character. I love that. We are getting into it. So whenever we are struggling with something, like you said, God, Jesus is the first person we can look to. I mean, not just to pray, to find sympathy and comfort and help, although he is so good to do all of those things for us. But we see from scripture, like Jesus is our example, right? He is the author and the perfect 
perfecter of our faith. And I love how some translations even call him like the pioneer, the the source, the founder of our faith. Like every aspect of our faith, of our being, of our whole entire life is on Jesus. Everything Jesus told us to do, he did first. So when we look to him, do we see this path he was given as easy or hard? Maybe, Amy, can you break that down for us? Man, I love that you went straight to Jesus because my pastor used to say, always check the math with Jesus. Oh, <laughs> like, just check the that. Math. Isn't that great? Check the math. See how it works for Jesus. <laughs> and so that's that's the thing. Like, was the path easy or hard? Man, I mean, we, we literally, those who follow Jesus, we worship a suffering Messiah, a Messiah who suffered. He went through hard, but hard became worth it. And the, the idea that our pain has a purpose, that there was a greater plan going on because Jesus chose to suffer on our behalf. Yeah. And how often, like, what can, can we zoom out on the lens? And it's so hard when we're in our suffering, but can we zoom out and say, mm-hmm. okay, I know who God is. And I know that he is forming me to be more like his son says Romans eight, like that we would become more like his son and he will use the brokenness in our world for our good. He will use that. It won't be wasted. Um, And this is not about punishment in my life. This suffering isn't about punishment because God has removed the punishment. There's no condemnation. You know, Romans 8, we can talk more about this, but since that has been removed, this is about my formation and becoming like him and joining with Christ in suffering and knowing our father in the middle of it. Yeah. I love that. I was just reading about how, you know, when Jesus chose his disciples, he knew full well that Judas was going to betray him, right? Yes. And even he called him his friend and said, do what you need to do, friend. I wouldn't call someone who betrayed me a friend. And I was just, when I read that passage, it was like, even that, even the Mm. betrayal of someone so dear, a loved one that just severely disappointed you. I mean, even something like that, he sympathizes because he's been there. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that because when we are sitting in our own suffering, that is so encouraged that Jesus gets it, right? Yes. Yes. He gets it. He not only gets it, he is going to give us the power to walk through it with him. I mean, my favorite Mm -hmm. place to go when it comes to suffering is Psalm 23, because you see this pattern of God shepherding us, that he is our shepherd. Even when we walk through the darkest valley, he's with us. And we watch Jesus's life go through the valley. He lives out Psalm 23. And then in the end, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Like I'm going to, I'm going to watch this follow me. And we watched a resurrection come out of a suffering and follow Jesus out that this beautiful pattern um, that he's, he's with us in the suffering and identifies with us too. Yeah. I love that. Okay. And if you guys don't know, me and Amy actually met, this was now a couple years ago at a conference in Wheeling, West Virginia, yeah. West Virginia. And I will always remember how you talked about how in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, but I loved how you drove that point home. And you said, when Jesus came, he even added on to that, right? He said, okay, in case you didn't know, in case you were a little confused, in case you were wondering or doubting, I'm not just your shepherd. Like I'm your good shepherd, right? I will always remember when you said that because I thought, okay, so even in the trial, even in the suffering, even when it looks hard, that is a truth to remember. The Jesus who walks with us, I mean, he is our good shepherd. 
He so we don't have to good. doubt that. Uh, and I love I love that's the best A that you remember that. Yes, that he he doubles down and it puts that good for us. Yes. And it's so good to remember like a good father might bring discipline on a kid, like, hey, I need to correct you to go this way. But punishment, yeah. that's not part of our story. Like yeah. that's been removed. That's the, yes. the lie here is that any suffering is not punishment. There may be correction. I mean, there potentially is, but there could be consequences yeah. we're dealing with. But a good father has an ultimate plan for our good. Like that's part of his goodness. Yes. We can trust his heart behind it. And just like we see with Jesus, I mean, hard things isn't just the way of things, but it was actually the plan for him, right? It was the sole reason why he came. The cross as a prime example was the plan. Let's talk about that too. What, What can we get from that example that could be an encouragement to us? What can we gain from this truth while we are in the middle of the hard, maybe unsure of the plan? What can we remember in light of the cross. Man, I I think the biggest thing is to remember he's not done yet. Like if we were to stop at the cross and the suffering and his death and the brutality of it, and we don't read on to the bonkers reality that he defeated death and rose from that. Like that is crazy that we build our faith on a man who rose from the dead. But if we stop short of that, I mean, Paul even says like, hey, we're fools, but he's not. So he didn't stop at the cross. He's not done yet. The suffering doesn't end in darkness. There will be a resurrection, little resurrections along the way in our suffering. We can look for that. Where is God bringing life even out of this dark, dark, dark space? Look for the life. Look for the light. It's coming more and more and more. He's not done yet. So good. In the Saturdays of life, right? There was a Saturday between Friday and Resurrection Sunday. I always think back too about how the disciples would not have deemed Good Friday as good, right? Like on that Friday, goodness gracious, like you said, the beating, the persecution, people spitting on Jesus, nailing him to the cross, letting him hang there. None of that would have been considered good. But now on the other side of the story, after Resurrection Sunday, as New Testament believers, I mean... That is the truth. We see the goodness of what came from so much suffering. Yes. And again, like you said, that's our example. When we are in the Fridays of life, the Saturdays of life, the good news for us as believers is God is not done. And that Sunday is always coming for us who hold on in Christ. Yes. Well, what's beautiful too is like, even when we're going through our suffering, we can remember that work has already been done. Even if we don't Um, see, like we can still count on, okay, the work of the cross and what happened after the resurrection. There's no condemnation. I have forgiveness. I can be right with God. That's already happened. I can claim that even if I see zero light in my suffering right now. Yes. I kind of want to jump to that about condemnation because I do think sometimes if we are believing this life, we're entertaining this lie that God is punishing me because of something I did or because of my past or my sin or any of that, then what's really happening is we are letting the guilt of our sin still hang over our head, right? We're mm-hmm. actually letting that condemn us. And like you had talked about Romans 8, 1, and I even read like in Hebrews, before we crack open the book of Hebrews, the context there is that these people were tired. They were discouraged. They were confused and they were wondering, why is God allowing such hardships in my life? And it led some to even doubt. And this is when the author writes that letter wanting to drive home a really important part after he clarified, like, where do you stand? And do you actually believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I mean, he wanted his readers to remember this difficulty, this pain that you're experiencing. It is not punishment for sins or your weak faith. 
right? Yes. I love I love chapters seven through ten, and they explain that Jesus's sacrifice for sin it is a one and done thing. It is done. It is finished. Jesus said that on the cross that now no sacrifice of any kind is needed for yes. our sin ever again. And I, I had read a commentary. I wrote it down because I wanted to share it. It said these saints weren't to interpret their painful experiences as God's angry punishment for their sins. Mm. That angry punishment was completely spent on Jesus once and for all on the cross. So the message rather that he wanted them to understand from their hardships is that God loves you, that he has fatherly affection for you. He cares deeply for you. He actually took great pain so that you were saved and forgiven and free from condemnation forevermore. And Mm. so let's camp on that a little bit more. When people are feeling that condemnation, when Mm. you felt that yourself, like how have you broken free from that? I love what you just read. That was just so freeing and so good. I just preached a sermon on Romans, on this this topic, Romans 8. You did. I I, I, I had to go deep for a while because I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Side note, a fantastic new resource that just came out. N.T. Wright has a book on Romans 8 called Into the Heart of Romans. It just came out and I'm like halfway through and it's thick and amazing. But um, listen, I think what was so beautiful to understand about no condemnation. So if you've ever driven by a part of town or maybe you live in a part of town where a house is condemned, maybe there's a sign in front or the government has said this is condemned and no longer worthy to inhabit as like humans. This is not safe. This is not good. It's been condemned. And that idea of like, God has removed our condemnation. Like we have been stamped secure, livable, worthy. Like he has removed any accusation that this thing shouldn't work anymore. He's removed that. And he's like, listen, my spirit, you see later in Romans 8, my spirit lives inside of you and is going to light up this whole house. We're going to restore this house. We're going to do this together. The message says that we can cry out to God. What's next, Papa, is the sort of idea of Abba Father. You can say, what's next, Papa? Like we're doing this thing together. So that idea that it's we're not deemed unlivable, unworthy, like that has been removed. And Hmm. the accusation, like we stand no longer accused of condemnation. Like we're not accused. And you see that at the end of Romans 8. Like who can accuse us? Who can condemn us? It's a series of questions. Who can put anything against us? Because now we have the right standing of Jesus. Like he obeyed the law fully and he paid for our inability to, to live it out. So he obeyed it and he paid it. And now we are no longer condemned. So to even sit there and think, listen, I'm free. No one can accuse me. Like if the enemy points a finger, an accusing finger at my chest, I can just point a confident finger at the cross and say, "Uh uh-uh, it's all paid over there. That is a beautiful imagery. And I think from here on out, like if we ever are struggling with condemnation, I love that picture you painted of a condemned building being restored into a beautiful home of the Holy Spirit with light shine, like a city on a head, like shining as the light of the world. That is amazing, actually. <laughs> I love that. So glad. I think what's fun too, the other thing that I talked about is because the spirit of God lives inside of us, like we're free from condemnation, from guilt, from punishment, like that's all been removed and the spirit is inside of us. We now, you know, what, when you're filling out taxes, Heidi, what do you call your children on the tax form? What what are they called? Dependent. I don't do my taxes, but I don't tithe. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. But the word, you got it. The word is dependent. And that's what we are now. We're dependents as the father's sons and daughters. And we, we, depend on his work that he's already done. And we depend on his spirit for the power to live our life out. 
Oh man, I gotta hear that message. You gotta <laughs> drop the link here so we can all listen. That's amazing. The one thing when you said it, I want to dive into that a little bit more where you talked about God being our Abba Father, right? Mm -hmm. What now, Daddy? And because we laid the groundwork that Jesus already took our punishment, so in Christ we no longer stand condemned. So sure, consequences come as a good father corrects and disciplines. We talked about that. But Jesus, as our perfect sacrifice, I mean, believing this lie that all hard things are God's punishment, it would in turn be believing his sacrifice isn't complete right now, mm -hmm. right? It's not mm -hmm. enough for me. So now we have to to pay the price a little bit. But can you talk about that more about the heart of the father, how the father corrects, but I mean, punishment, that's a different thing. He's not out to destroy, but to raise us from glory to glory. I want you to share more about his heart with us. Yeah. I can't get away from in the second book of the Bible, Exodus, he shares his name and his nature with Moses. And I go back to that Heidi a lot when I forget mm -hmm. the father's heart. And I'm like, wait, what is he like? Is he angry with me? Like what's happening? And Exodus 34, 6, he declares to Moses, he says, it's almost a shout, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and faithfulness. And you see the poets and the prophets use this refrain about 11 times over and over in the Psalms. You see it in Nehemiah, like you see them call back to his character. I mean, he says he's compassionate and gracious. I mean, slow to anger. So this idea of like, okay, he's not burst. He's not, sometimes we picture our dads think, oh no, he's punishing me the way I feel like maybe one, our dad would do this. But God is not an explosive dad with an anger problem. He's slow to anger. It's built in to his character that he names to Moses for us to, to call upon. So I go back to that often. I'm thinking he is not angry. He's not disappointed. Like I am fully delighted in, loved, accepted before him. Whatever this suffering is, this is about me becoming more like his son. I'm being formed into the likeness of the image of his son. Also, is he stripping something away that needs to go? Something that's actually been harmful and hurting? And he's like, guess what? You've clung to this. It's actually hurting you. You need to let this thing go. You know, there could be a variety of things he's forging in the fire, <laughs> so to speak, and just saying, hey, we need to get rid of this because I love you. This isn't out of anger. This is out of love. And that's a good point. That's kind of what I think we should wrap up with is God forms us in hard things, right? You've said that, that the fire of the refiner's fire as his dearly beloved children, as his most treasured possession. I mean, that fire is not meant to destroy the Christian. It yes. is always used to refine. Can you maybe talk about that or share an example of how God has formed you in a hard place with hard circumstances? I mean, Heidi, which one? Which example? <laughs> I know you do. Yeah. You know, when my son was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, six-ish years ago, there was no place to go but my knees. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to grab on to the most latest, greatest, helpful WebMD site to solve it. And I'm not anti-medicine, any of that. And we had to make a plan. Yeah. But my heart, WebMD couldn't fix my heart and how much I was feeling despair. And the yeah. only comfort, truly, I just lived in Psalm 23 because I was like, WebMD can't shepherd me through this. Hmm. I need a shepherd who is alive, active, 
loves me, is for me, is compassionate, who made me, who knows what I need. I need a shepherd who's going to lead me through this. WebMD, my my anxiety can't lead me through this. My husband can't lead me through this. Like I I need someone to shepherd me who is good, who is all powerful. And so I felt like through that, I learned to trust the shepherd's voice. I learned to go to him, to sit with him, to let him lead me. I hate to, like, I don't want to fantasize on darkness, but when I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, yep. like God and I had some key moments there that um, yes. I'm fond of. Oh yeah. I mean, that's one of the way he redeems the hardship, right? Yes. Is he's in it, he is close to the broken heart and we yes. feel it, we know it, we experience it. Yes. He's close. He's there. So I wouldn't trade it. I really wouldn't. I'm like, God did yeah. things in my life. He's doing things. He continues to do this in my son's life, in our life. Like he has used the darkness. And you know what? It was beautiful. In studying the valley, things grow in the valley. They don't just grow on the mountaintop. Some beautiful, there's some beautiful like purple budding flowers. I wish I had names for them, but like God grows things in the valley. He doesn't wait till we're out of it. There's still huh. some fertile ground going on down there. I love that. So honestly, I think when we take a look at who God is, when we take a look at Jesus's example, his whole life, when we take a look at even our past experiences, sometimes we're so short-sighted and we forget how God has redeemed the past suffering and how he has promised to do that again. Well, when we recall these things, I think then we can really trade a lie that when things are hard, God must be punishing me. And we can trade it for the truth that I am now no longer condemned in Jesus Christ. And because I am now the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, I am sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Well, then there must be more going on here that God is going to redeem it. He's going to use it and he's going to refine me through it. There must be more. I love that, Heidi. There must be more. more. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us and breaking this down. But before we end, how we end every podcast, podcast episode is I just give you five rapid fire questions. I mean, you just give your knee jerk reaction, nothing serious. Just give us your honest thoughts. All right. Up for it? Yeah, let's go. I've got two would you rathers to kick it off with. The first one, would you rather be imprisoned for over two years like Paul or be swallowed by a large fish just for three days like Jonah? I'm going fish three days. Give it to me. I want to see what's going on in there. <laughs> I just imagine though being in the water and seeing this massive big fish, like a whale coming straight for me, like the water's rippling and like swallowing. And I don't know if I could live past that. No, like, I know. <laughs> so maybe we black out on the way in and then we just, you know, figure it out inside. Like what is happening? <laughs> uh, there's fish dinner inside. All right. Number two, would you rather wander the wilderness for 40 years? or be stuck on Noah's Ark until the flood is over. Yo, what? These are bad. Um, I'm going to his arc just out of curiosity. Like, what was that like? All those animals, just for the curiosity of it. Who would you bunk with? Would you get them all? <laughs> I'd go with the lions right away. Like, hoping hoping I got a little Daniel sprinkled on me. <laughs> I love it. Okay, number three. Who is the Christian artist that when they come to town, you need to go to their concert, no questions asked? Maverick City. Okay, you will cringe then because they came to town merely a few months ago 
and Ty went and he had an extra ticket and said, do you want to come? It was a weeknight. I was kind of tired. I'm like, you can bring your friend. And still to this day, he's like, the next time they come to town, you, I'm taking you. No matter. <laughs> like there's and no I, option. <laughs> and I regret it. I regret it when I hear their songs on the radio. I'm like, why did they go? Oh, it's an experience. So good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Maverick City. Okay, number four. Is your family early or late service? <laughs> late. And late at the late. <laughs> <laughs> Woman after my own art. I'm like, someday we will get to church on time. And maybe not. Although Ty drags me to the early service, though, and I, oh. I can't quite convince him to do late. It's a, mm. it's a struggle in our house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Number five. If you and your husband had to get matching Christian tattoos, what would you get? Oh, wow. <laughs> Man, what would we do? And you had to choose. He has no opinion in the matter. Man, I've not ever thought about that. I haven't been like a tattoo girl. No, I... I haven't either. It's like, <laughs> no way would you get us matchy tattoos. It's like, well, I'm going to throw it in the lightning round question. Oh my, <laughs> see yeah, what see what happens. happens. Man, I think I would I would do something, because I, I keep talking about that Psalm 23-ish, whether it's like a shepherd's yeah. hook, um, there you go. some kind of maybe a sheep. I don't know, because I just can't get away from that imagery. But a sheep yes. seems like a really lame tattoo. I don't know. I'd have to really something. So. <laughs> you know what would be kind of fun is if you did like half a sheep on your arm and half a sheep on his arm. And, and we match up. I'll propose no. that at dinner and see how that goes tonight. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for joining us on this podcast. I have been so enjoying this conversation. I love you so much. For those that don't know you yet, which I'm sure by this point now they are in love with you, BFFs, where can we find you? Where can we connect more with you after this? Oh my gosh, you're so kind. Um, I think the gram Instagram is really fun. So I'm at Amy Seifert and then um, my website, amycypher.com for all the things. And you guys, if you haven't hopped on one of her version Bible plans, I mean, she's oh, yeah. also a version Bible teacher. I forgot. Wait, I'm over there. <laughs> I don't know. Life is hard. Because <laughs> your resume is so prestigious. No, and her nope. book, her latest book Starved is incredible, you guys. If you haven't read that yet, I mean, she journeys through her sons. I mean, how she talks about how he has Crohn's, but more than that, how we are so starved by all that's around us, our phones, our feed, our life, that we are starving for the word of God to replenish our soul. And it is just a, a like soul satisfying book. So if you haven't read it yet, add it to your list. Oh, thanks. All right. Well, thank you so much, Amy. I love you so much. Remember, you guys, when things are hard, God isn't, it's not a must that he is punishing you. A father other corrects, sure, but punishment, we are done with that. We are free. You can move forward in the freedom Christ offers us. Thanks for joining us. Yay. Mm -hmm.